And we're back here live for a new edition of Two Out of Three Falls here on the Cruise Control Podcast, Friday, January 6th, 2017. As always, I'm joined by Mr. Graham Matthews of Bleacher Report. He's on Twitter at WrestleRant. He's also the host of WrestleRant Radio. Graham, what's up, my man? How you doing? Doing great, Randy. Happy New Year to you as well. Happy 2017. Looking forward to talking everything Raw, SmackDown, and everything else that happened in the week in WWE in the past seven days. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at I am Randy Cruz, and you can download and subscribe to the podcast on both iTunes and SoundCloud.com. So yeah, lots to talk about. Um, two of the main stories I want to uh, start off with is uh, we do have a new... Uh, Intercontinental Champion with Dean Ambrose defeating The Miz um, on Tuesday on SmackDown Live. Um, I know me and you have been going back and forth on, you know, what should they do with The Miz and, 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 you know, what's next and, you know, whether he drops the Intercontinental title, which he did, um, or or when, whether it be a SmackDown or at the Royal Rumble. Um, One, were you surprised that he dropped the Intercontinental Championship uh, a, a few weeks before the Rumble, and what direction do you see him going to? Yeah, I definitely was a little surprised. I mean, I know we talked about it last week in terms of what might happen this past week on SmackDown between Ambrose and Miz for the Ice and title. And um, I know you had said yourself, is there a chance of Miz dropping the championship to kind of clear him up for a main event run or a possible Rumble win, which I know you tweeted out after he lost the belt on Tuesday, which I could not agree more with, not only coming off of that moment itself, but we have to acknowledge as well that talking smack promo we cut only minutes later right afterwards in the network, which was absolutely incredible, just as good, if not better, than the tirade he went on a couple months back, which kind of sparked the whole new popularity, this renaissance, this resurgence for The Miz. Um, but yeah, I mean, at this point, it's really hard to argue against Miz winning the Royal Rumble when you look uh, at the Raw side, you look at the SmackDown side, there's a lot of... Decent candidates. I mean, you have a Goldberg, which I'm not really a big fan of winning the Rumble, but it's a possibility as they teased him and Roman on Raw. You have Baron Corbin, you have Chris Jericho, you have a potential Finn Balor returning. Um, but I think, to me, no one is more deserving, maybe even a Sami Zayn or a Braun Strowman, but to me, no one is more deserving after the year that they've had than The Miz. I bet it was a great main event. Ambrose is the champion. I like it. It's something new. Um, it's not really playing hot potato with the title unless. To me, I mean, I have enough faith in SmackDown in the blue brand to know that they know what they're doing with the title and Ambrose and Miz. Uh, but Miz, if they're going to have him drop the championship just to switch things up and then not further his momentum with a main event run or a Rumble win, that to me would be a wasted opportunity. So, you know, Ambrose could drop the belt as soon as next week. Because if you can recall, at the end of the match, Maurice got involved and Ambrose had to beg the referee not to disqualify Miz. So they could do something next week where it always wasn't fair, getting back my title, and they end the belt right back to Miz, and then Ambrose wins it back again for another time at the Rumble. Who knows? But either way, I'm intrigued, and I'm looking forward to seeing where Miz goes from here. Oh, yeah, definitely because I, you know, and then you go online, you read uh, different websites that, you know, kind of kind of agree with, with, what me, you, with what me and you are saying, the fact that the Miz from – where he was from like WrestleMania 27 all the way till now, even before, even uh, from 2015, and how he has changed from a character standpoint, attitude standpoint, now being, if not one of the marquee guys on his brand, and now it's like 
you know, he brought back the 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 IC title back to prestige, and now it really means something. Uh, I mean, probably second place behind the WWE Championship that AJ Styles has. So, um, the IC title does mean something now. And now, you know, if he does not get the the the, the title back, I'm not, you know, I won't be shocked or, or I won't be disappointed. My thing is, he's in the prime of his career where he can get that elevated championship main event against the AJ Styles or John Cena or, or whoever it might be. And with the Rumble coming up, and I know we'll touch on it later, but when you have people like Brock and Goldberg, now Jericho, Baron Corbin, Braun Strowman, and as the time goes by, those slots are going to be filled. And I assume that the Miz will be in the Rumble because if he's not, I would rather him be in the Rumble than do like a rematch at the Rumble for the IC title where, okay, great. I love Miz as the Intercontinental Champion, but I think maybe if he, if, if he's not going to break Honky Tonk's record or you know have a long run, I don't think he needs the belt. Uh, I think Dean Ambrose could use the belt now uh, nowadays because the IC title does mean more now. But again, man, I think all signs, well, not all, but some signs are pointing that The Miz has a, a, a likely shot of winning the Rumble if he's in it because, like you said, I don't see Goldberg winning it. I don't see Brock winning it. Um, Braun Strowman, I don't see winning it. Roman's like Roman's is is not going to be in it because he has the the one on one match with KO. We don't know about Seth Rollins yet. Jericho was in it. Jericho could win it and have a a program with Kevin Owens. But my thing is at at this point in Mrs. Career, he along with Charlotte are the best two heels in the company. And right now AJ is a heel, but I wouldn't mind seeing a heel AJ against a heel Miz at Mania for the title because more people would cheer for AJ Styles anyway. So he'll be a tweener by that time. And um, I just think the Miz is just on, on a roller coaster, uh, you know, to the to the top of the mountain where he can't be touched on the microphone. Uh, his wrestling has gotten way better than than from the past. So I just think that. Him dropping the belt on Tuesday to Dean Ambrose was good. If they do a rematch, okay, great, but I don't think he should win it back. I think Dean Ambrose would be better off with the IC title and have the Miz go in the Rumble. And if not, if he doesn't win it, we all know that Chamber pay-per-view is right after, so we'll see what happens with that. But uh, Miz and AJ for the belt at Mania, um, I just don't – I just, I mean, aside from Cena and Taker, but – I just don't think you'll get a better match with AJ than than the Miz. I mean, the real question I feel like is what else you would do with the Miz if he's not made not made anything but in the main title match at WrestleMania. I mean, like you said, if he was to win the belt back, I mean, I could see a scenario where they hand the belt back to him. He doesn't next, he doesn't technically win it back on Tuesday or at the Rumble. They just kind of hand it back to him. I would kind of be okay with that, but if he did officially lose the championship on Tuesday and then they had him win it back at the Rumble, it would be as much of a waste as when they had Ziggler win it No Mercy, which was a great moment. But then Miz won it back two or three weeks later. And Ziggler, I mean, he just recently turned heel, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. But there was a waste to kind of interrupt Miz's reign as champion uh, uh, six months, seven months, however he held it long uh, up to that point, however, held, uh, however long he had held it up to that point. To interrupt that reign to me was kind of just pointless. Um, so if you don't put Miz in the Rumble match or you don't have him win it or in the WWE title match at WrestleMania, what else do you do? I mean, AJ has a few other potential opponents. 
Um, I think AJ should be in the world title match at WrestleMania after another guy a lot like him is after the year that he has had. How can you not put him in a marquee match at WrestleMania for the championship? Cena and Taker, as cool as it would be to do title versus career, I mean, that would be great, but it's a match that doesn't need the championship. It doesn't need it. It's a marquee match all on its own as John Cena versus Taker. That sells enough tickets. Right. It doesn't, need the, it doesn't need the championship. With Miz and AJ, you can't really do the match without the belt. I mean, it would be a great match regardless. Uh, they had a few matches last year that were really good on TV, but it, it's a match that would need the championship, and both guys should be in a world title match at WrestleMania. AJ could always do an interpromotional match. Let's say he drops the belt. He could always do an interpromotional match with Finn Balor if he's back in time. He could always face like a returning Kurt Angle or a debut Samoa Joe. There's a couple different options for AJ. Miz is the one that I fear for because if he's not winning the Rumble and he's not in a world title match of Mania and he's not IC champion, there's really not many other scenarios for him in terms of big matches at WrestleMania because he's already faced Ambrose um, in terms of top guys on SmackDown. and he's already faced Ziggler a million times. So, I mean, I could definitely see, I mean, there is a chance where they do do the rematch of the Rumble, which I hope they do, and then both guys are in the Rumble match itself. That happened last year. Owens and uh, Ambrose kicked off the show for the IC title. Ambrose walked away as IC champion. Both guys were in the Rumble later on. That's how we got Owens and Zayn, that little cool moment. And Ambrose was the runner-up at the Rumble, despite wrestling earlier on in the evening. So you could definitely have both have guys in the Rumble, both uh, have both guys in the Rumble, and have Miz go on to win it. And that's at this point, Jericho winning the Rumble to face Owens would be cool. But that's another match that Jericho does not win, does not need to win the Rumble to set up Owens and Jericho for Mania. So I think Miz winning the Rumble to me right now, as you've said for weeks, um, I think is the best possible scenario. Do you think it's more beneficial for Raw for for someone on Raw or someone on SmackDown to win the Rumble? I've got to go with SmackDown. I mean, I mean, like I said, there's a couple guys on Raw like Jericho, but Jericho and Owens you could set up on its own. Unless Sami Zayn were to win it, I was thinking about this yesterday on my show. I was thinking, okay, so maybe if Zayn were to win it by lastly eliminating um, uh, Sami Zayn or sorry himself as lastly moment. Which which would be a cool story considering the whole recent rivalry they have had in recent weeks and months and whatever. Um, that would be a really cool story. And not to kind of brush away Owens and Jericho, you could do a triple threat with Zayn, Owens, and Jericho, which would also be really really cool because you know Zayn and Jericho have their history, so that'd be a great triple threat. So I wouldn't really mind that either. But then again, what do you do with Miz? And I think even more so than Zayn deserves a big match at WrestleMania. So. Um, even if Corbin were to win, I don't know if you would do Corbin and AJ Mania. We already kind of saw that last week on SmackDown, but um, or a couple weeks ago. So I, I have to go with SmackDown. And I think Raw has their marquee matches already kind of laid out with Brock and Goldberg, Owens and Jericho, two matches that Goldberg should not win the Rumble. Taker, I mean, there's a possibility there. I forgot to mention him. I know it's in Texas 10 years after he won it initially, but again, another match where he does not need to win the Rumble. He doesn't need to win. I mean, him winning the championship to set up him and Cena Mania would have been cool, but they're not doing that either. So, again, there's a, there's a lot of different things to work out here. But, yeah, as of right now, it's very, very weird. I don't even know if Rand Taker's on because he's returning to Raw this week and not SmackDown. So I'm fucking out. But, yeah, I'm going to have to go with SmackDown now in terms of people who need to win the Rumble over Raw. And, Grant, we finally got a what seems to be a Dolph Ziggler heel turn on, on, on Tuesday um, he had a one-on-one with Baron Corbin. Uh, pretty, pretty good, pretty decent match. Callisto trying to make the save. 
Nobody really cared. Um, he came out there, tried to help Dolph, turns around, Dolph with the super kick on Callisto and him fighting Apollo Crews um, backstage. So it seems like finally we are getting healed Ziggler or, or the beginning of a heel turn for Dolph. Um, I felt like it was something desperately needed for at least a year and a half. Um I'm just glad that it, it, it did finally happen. Maybe, you know, it could have been with somebody else on, on, on the card a little bit higher as opposed to Callisto or Apollo Crews, but maybe we'll get some interesting matches from Dolph and Callisto and Dolph and Apollo Crews down the road. But uh, regardless, Dolph went heel. Um, I think it was a seismic shift that he desperately needed for his character, for his attitude, for his uh, persona. Um, way long overdue. What did you make of Dolph uh, finally turning heel and how it all went down? Yeah, big fan of the heel turn, as you said, long overdue. I think people have been waiting for this, have been long pulling for a heel turn from Ziggler for literally years. I mean, he's been a baby face for about three and a half years now. I think even not, not as long as he was a heel in WWE, but pretty close, pretty close. I mean, he was way staler, way more stale than he was as a... Uh, as a heel initially, just because he's really worn out his welcome as an ultimate underdog that no one really that anymore. A lot of people like Ziggler. I like Ziggler, but it's gotten to the point where you know he's going to lose every, almost every big match he's a part of, and that you know this company's not going to get behind him as a top baby face. That's been the case for over three years now, and it's gotten to the point where, okay, you either got to turn a heel or let him go. And I still think he is leaving the company this coming year in 2017 just because even as a heel, what matches can you do with him with other people on the roster, him and Kalisto, him and Cruz are, you know, possible fresh matchups. And even don't even really mean that much because they're not on TV all that often. But beyond those two guys, him and Orton, we've seen that a million times. Him and Wyatt, maybe, but Wyatt's still a heel. Him and, uh, him and Styles, Styles is still a heel. Him and Corbin, we've seen a million times. Him and Ambrose, we've seen a million times. Him and, you know, John Cena, we've seen a million times. So, I, I don't know. I guess we'll see. We'll wait and see what happens with Ziggler. But like I said, I don't want to complain just because I do like the idea of Ziggler as a heel. He is way better as a heel than he was as a baby face. So it was a long overdue moment, and I guess we will get a couple fresh matches out of it. But still the question remains, what now? I mean, a, a mini-feud with Kalisto or, Ziggler, uh, Kalisto or Cruz going into Mania would be cool. <clears throat> Thinking long-term, what would you do with him at WrestleMania? Like a... I don't see him being a part of a big match, nor really should he be, because I think Miz, Styles, and other people on that show are more deserving. But, no, I did like the way that it was laid out. I liked the way they kind of teased a rekindling of the rivalry between Corbin and Kalisto, only to transition into Ziggler turning heel on Kalisto. So we'll see where it goes. But I was a big fan of him turning heel on Monday night, or on Tuesday night, rather. Dolph can win the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal at WrestleMania. How about that? Why not? It's a battle royale, but no one cares about it anyways. <laughs> well, every time they introduce Baron Corbin, they make it seem like a big deal. That is true. I mean, Corbin's doing well. I mean, many months after he probably should have been flourishing. Yes. But, uh, I mean, that's really the only match I could see Ziggler being in a WrestleMania, to be honest with you. Oh, man. Well, I'm glad he turned heel. Something something new, something different for, for him and his character. We'll see how it goes. Um, we did also have... The John Cena, AJ Styles contract signing for the Royal Rumble. You know, typical promos from from AJ and John Cena. You know, nothing different, nothing new. All the part-time stuff, and I'm here because I I love being here. And 
face that runs the place kind of stuff. But um, how excited are you to see John Cena and AJ Styles for the for the belt at the Royal Rumble? I'm looking forward to it just because their first two matches were so damn good. And uh, you said yourself on Twitter either last night or today that one of John Cena's best five matches, and I could not agree more, was with AJ last year at SummerSlam. And those two had just a killer match, in my opinion, the best main roster match of 2016 for WWE. So to see them go back to that feed at the Rumble this time for the championship is great. Um, I think they are kind of laying it out a little thick that Cena is winning. Just, I mean, you, you see how many times Styles has won, which is great. The story is there. The story is awesome. I just don't want it to be so predictable to the point that Cena's winning the belt. Like, as predictable as Rock and Cena was, people knew dating back to Raw 1000 that Rock and Cena were facing off a mania for the championship, that Cena would win the Rumble, Rock would win the belt at the Rumble, and that would set up the match of mania that Cena would win. It was so fucking predictable. And the match sucked. That didn't help either. But uh, hopefully, I mean, Styles and Cena is an exception just because the match should be great. Uh, I mean, it's something we've seen before, but it's a different story this time around. Styles has already beaten him three times. I do not see him beating him for a fourth time. And Styles, or I think Cena's moment in becoming a 16-time champion will be better saved for Mania, but the Rumble is just as fine, I guess. But, uh, no, yeah, I'm looking forward to the match. Without the segment itself on Tuesday was awesome. These two never ceased to create compelling, awesome promos together. So I really, really enjoyed it. Um, but the match itself should be great, uh, should be great at the Rumble, though. So in the back of your mind, you feel like John Cena is walking out the Royal Rumble with the belt, right? Yeah, I'm pretty much 95% sir. Not because I want to see it, but just because, I mean, I want to see AJ, like to go back to what we were talking about before, I want to see AJ somehow retain, maybe with Taker costing Cena in the match, right. set up their match for Mania, um, which I think would be great. That's what I would do, but... I don't see them doing that. I see them doing Cena and Taker for the belt of Mania, which, again, is not the worst thing. I don't think it's nearly as bad as Cena and Rock 2 or Mania 29. Uh, the match should be better. It's a better story. It's something fresh. But, again, it doesn't need a fucking title. AJ should be champion going into WrestleMania. And uh, But just based off what we've heard in the past couple of weeks from AJ and Cena and Styles saying, oh, you can't beat me, more often than not means that I am losing to you at the Rumble, especially in the case of John Cena. Cena does not lose the people two, three times in a row without getting his win back at some point or another. So I am almost 95% certain Cena is winning the Rumble. Now, uh, you know, I, I did have a, a, a thought about how, you know, typically when it's a big match, they always have the contract signed into the middle of the ring and they do a little promos and they, then they sign the paper and then the, then the table gets flipped over and they start fighting. But, I wrote on Twitter on Tuesday the fact that, you know, what if what if down the road the WWE were to do these contract signings, whatever, like how UFC does it, where, you know, they do the typical weigh-in. They do it like, per, like for example, let's say on the network, don't forget this Friday, 9 o'clock is the official weigh-in and press conference, whatever, for John Cena, AJ Styles. At the Royal Rumble, they had the little fake weigh-in, and they're all sitting on the opposite end of the room with their table, and they're they talking their trash. And you have like, uh, well, Daniel Bryan uh, uh, in the middle with the podium, and they have like a little stare down, and just just something different where you know it makes you feel more real. Because the last time they did that was when they had the WrestleMania 14 with Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold, and Mike Tyson. They had the, the the press conference, um, 
at the table, the podiums and everything, and then they had to stare down, and, you know, Tyson had to separate Sean and Stone Cold. But my thing is, like, when it comes to, to these contract signings, you know, nothing really happens. You know, they, they talk, they sit down, they, they, they do their promo, and then, then they fight. A table gets flipped over, chairs get flipped over, and that's it. My thing is, if you want to make it seem more real and more like, oh, wow, like, you know, this could be something cool, just have like a little 30-minute thing on the, uh, exclusive on the network, tune in for the contract signing for these two guys or, or these two females, have a stare down and everything, and then have a little shoving match and stuff like that. So, I mean, are you a fan of, of how they do these quote-unquote contract signings, or do you feel like more like me where they can make it seem more real how like UFC does it? The contract signings are the most tired trope in WWE history in terms of the stuff they have done for literally three decades now, and they have not changed at all. I think they, the first one they ever did was with Andre and Hulk Hogan in fucking 88 or 89, and they have not stopped doing them ever since, and the same shit always happens. And the promo work is always usually really good, like it was in this segment, but like you said, just in terms of what happens, they talk, they may or may not sign the contract, but they don't. I guess the match isn't official in storyline. I'm not really sure how that works, but the contract may or may not get signed. Uh, a Pier 6 brawl breaks out, and then that's pretty much it. Like you said, the table gets flipped over, whatever. We've seen the same thing for over three decades, and I'm ready for something new. I'm ready. If I never see another contract signing again, I would be the happiest guy alive. So hopefully in the future they don't do them as often. If you don't see that on SmackDown, you see it on Raw. If you don't see it on Raw, you see it on NXT. And all of wrestling does it. But switching it up by doing the press conference, which they do do, annually at the at the at WrestleMania, right before Mania. I mean, it's more official than just kayfabe and shit, but right. they do do press conferences with the main event stars of Mania. I don't know if they did it with Triple H and Roman last year, but I do remember right before Mania 30 a couple of years ago, they had Brian, Batista, and Orton out there all talking about their match and Triple H too, and they all posed for a picture or whatever. And stuff like that, I think, would be great. I mean, it's WrestleMania, but you should be doing that stuff more often, maybe even with the big four pay-per-views to kind of switch it up so we're not seeing the same shit every single fucking week. Um, I mean, just in terms of what happened, it's so predictable, it's so formulaic, it's so passe. So, yeah, switching it up to do a, a, a weigh-in like UFC. There are things that they, you know, that they could take from UFC to make their product more realistic and more relatable. I mean, they call themselves, oh, it's the reality era. It's not really the reality era. We same shit all the time even with SmackDown, so hopefully we can kind of get past that and do something new. Like the way in, as you, as you said, as you, uh, as you recommended there, I think it would be great. I think it would be definitely something new for this company to kind of try out in the future. We're chatting with Graham Matthews of Bleacher Report. He's on Twitter at WrestleRant. He's also the host of WrestleRant Radio. Go ahead and check that out. Uh, we did also have Raw before SmackDown, obviously, on Monday night. Um, a couple things. Roman Reigns is still the U.S. champion. I don't know why. I thought Monday night would have been the pro- the proper day to to drop the title to Chris Jericho, who has never been U.S. champion. Um, just for storyline purposes, knowing that Roman and Kevin Owens are going to fight for the Universal title at the Royal Rumble. Now Roman still has the opportunity to walk into the Rumble as U.S. champion and can walk out both U.S. and Universal champion. We don't know what's going to happen in the, the couple of Raws coming up, but um, do you think it was uh, a, a, a letdown or a major mistake that the Roman Reigns um, defeated Chris Jericho and, and kept the U.S. title when you just kind of, fi- you kind of feel like 
you're on that path where Reigns could become champion once again as far as the universal title is concerned. Yeah, I thought it was a big mistake. I mean, the match itself between Jericho and Reigns was really good. But for them to do the match again, I mean, I do appreciate the fact that I kind of switched it up by adding the stipulation that if Reigns got counted out or DQ'd, he would have lost the belt. So at least they made it different from their past encounters. But we've seen Reigns and Jericho at least three times for the title in the past month or two. And every single time, it's Reigns winning clean every single fucking time. And it's ridiculous. Just in the fact that if he's going for the world title to rumble, I mean, we, we know. I think most of us know that he's not winning both belts at the same time. Just because, and to me, I mean, if they're not going to have him drop the belt to Jericho, which he should have, but they're not. It'd be cool if we had a, a sight of Jericho holding both belts with the world title and the U.S. title. But I just don't think Reigns is winning the belt at the Rumble, nor should he. But I don't think he is as long as he's U.S. champion. And if he was going to win the world title and want to put that match, that match outcome at the Rumble more in doubt, they would have had him drop the belt on Monday night, which they didn't. And I don't know. If, they, if I feel like, I feel like if they're keeping the belt on him for this long and having him beat. Owens and Jericho and all these people every single week, and they won't take the title off, and there has to be some sort of long-term plan, which I know this company's not great at specifically when it comes to Raw, but unless they're having him, which we talked about before, but it seems like the long-term plan to me might be Roman and Strowman for the U.S. title. It would be a way better match for the U.S. title than it would be for the fucking world title, which would be terrible as one of the main matches of Mania, but as a mid-card match, and if Strowman were to win... I like that, but other than that, I have no idea why Roman is still U.S. champion because he's absolutely doing nothing for that title. It comes more across like a, a prop and a bigger story on Raw for the Universal Championship. We also had, uh, like I mentioned earlier, Chris Jericho putting his name into the Royal Rumble, Royal Rumble match. Also, Braun Strowman uh, said he will be in the Rumble during that last segment with with Goldberg we we also had Goldberg on Raw didn't really do much um you know they hyped up him returning him he got into this uh back and forth comedy thing with Jericho and KO then you know Reigns came out and Braun Strowman came out and it was just a a big cluster fuck of what the hell is going on and Goldberg and and Reigns speared Strowman out the ring they had a stare down Many people think, oh, wow, Reigns and Goldberg, could that be a match? And, you know, if fantasy booking, it could be a, could be a good match. Um, but now we have, now we know, like I said, Brock, Brock Goldberg, Jericho, Strowman, um, going to be in the Rumble match. Um, I, I think they go 30. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't mind them going 40 because now they do have a lot of talent and majority of the talent are healthy as opposed to last year. Um, we still don't know what they're going to do with Finn Balor. Does he come back and make a surprise uh, entrance into, into the Rumble, or does he sit out until WrestleMania time? Um, the Rumble, I, I think, is good now because it can go many ways where there's not one clear-cut winner. It's not like when 2015 came around, everybody knew that Reigns was going to win the Rumble Um so now you have a lot of marquee guys that can, you know, Brock wins it. Okay, great. Brock's in the main event. Goldberg wins it. Okay, Goldberg, the big name, could be in the main event. Jericho, you know, he'll go at uh, at Kevin Owens, Braun Strowman. I don't think he'll uh, he'll win. Um, we don't know what's going to happen with Seth Rollins. I, 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 I wanted to ask you, um, even though all signs lead to him fighting Triple H at WrestleMania, um, 
as of now, he does not have a match at the Rumble, so that means he might be in, in the Rumble match. Um, we also get Shawn Michaels and Taker on Raw this coming Monday. And the people that, that I follow and follow me on Twitter were kind of asking, okay, Shawn Michaels on Raw, Seth Rollins on Raw, Seth wants Triple H. Does Shawn Michaels get in the way with Seth wanting Triple H? Or do you think Shawn Michaels comes here Monday and just be like an innocent bystander? <laughs> I mean, it's hard to say just because we've seen Shawn Michaels, and if you really think about it, it's almost sad because Shawn Michaels has gotten involved. And I love Shawn Michaels, and it's not really a reflection on him, but he has gotten involved in almost every WrestleMania feud that Triple H has had, at least for the past five or six years. You look at Undertaker, Shawn Michaels was obviously a a big factor in that in 2012. When he faced, uh, in in 2013, when he faced, who the fuck did he face in 2013? Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar, he was a special guest referee for that match. WrestleMania 30, he faced, uh, he had that run-in with Daniel Bryan a couple months before WrestleMania. And at 31, he faced, uh, or, no, he didn't face Roman Reigns. Who did he face at WrestleMania 31? Sting. Sting. Sting, and he, was, he got involved in that match, too. It's every single year, Shawn Michaels is involved in every single fucking Mania feud that Triple H has. Because you need Shawn Michaels to make it interesting, because... To me, and I don't know if this is a bold statement or not, but you have Brock Lesnar, you have Goldberg, you have The Rock, you have Undertaker, all of whom are big draws for WrestleMania. In my opinion, Triple H, as big of a name as he is, is not nearly as big of a draw for WrestleMania. He set out WrestleMania one year. Let's say he didn't wrestle for one year. I do not honestly think it would make a lick of a difference. I mean, this year it's important he does wrestle because they have the obvious feud at Seth Rollins. In a match, if they don't do it, it's just mind-bogglingly dumb. But other than that, if he set out a one WrestleMania for one year willingly, not being hurt or anything, it wouldn't make a difference. So anyway, so going back to Shawn Michaels, yeah, if they wanted to do something with him and Seth, they have had that interaction before a couple, like a year and a half ago or something on Raw, where Seth was like, oh, I'm the new Shawn Michaels. It was pretty cool. I mean, obviously it's a match that we're never going to see. Because Shawn, I don't think, is still never coming out of retirement. If he hasn't by now, seven years later, I don't think he ever will. But I've seen the Stone Cold. But yeah, with Seth and Sean on Raw, I think it's a nice little placeholder before we get Triple H in Seth at WrestleMania. Again, getting Sean in the, in the Triple H feuds, getting involved every year, kind of feels like it's kind of predictable at this point. But it would be a cool interaction because there's been a lot of similarities between the two for years now. And I just thought it was really weird that Seth, he beat KO on Raw this week by DQ. So he could have gotten involved in that U.S. title match, but he didn't. But even weirder, like, he didn't get involved in that ending segment at all. Like, you saw Strowman say, oh, I'm in the Rumble. And then Goldberg was out there. And Jer- Jericho said, oh, I'm in the Rumble. But Rollins wasn't out there, which is really strange. And he's supposed to be, like, one of the top baby faces on the show. And I assume he will be in the Rumble before he faces Triple H and Mania. So I'm not really sure where they're going with this. But, yeah, Sean and Rollins face-to-face encounter on Raw. I don't know how it would play out. Because Sean's been healed the past. He's been a baby face. So I have no idea. But... Um, so yeah, I would love to see a little face-to-face interaction between the two on Raw this coming week. I think it'd be interesting. For the record, Graham, when I get my, my numbers right, Triple H has competed in eight consecutive WrestleManias. The last time he missed, he missed a WrestleMania was WrestleMania 23. Oh shit. So that was 10 years ago. He has not missed a mania in 10 years then. Wow. Um, just off, off the top of my head, I, I remember he had the injury with the quad or something um, that he was supposed to. With, that's what he said. He was supposed to get the rematch with John Cena at WrestleMania 23, which he lost at 22, 
And that's where Shawn Michaels came in and um, had the one-on-one with Cena. And then 24 was a triple threat match with him, or with Cena and Orton. 25 was the main event with, and Orton. with Orton. 26, mm-hmm. he fought Sheamus. 27 was Taker 1. 28 was Taker 2. 29 was Brock. 30, Daniel Bryan. 31, Sting. 32, Reigns. Wow, yeah, so he hasn't missed the WrestleMania in 10 years, and even before that, he was at 22, like you said, he faced Cena, 21, Batista, 20, Shawn Michaels and Benoit, 19, Booker T, 18, Jericho, 17, Undertaker, 16, that four-way, 15, I know he was at 15, I think he faced Owen Hart or something, and I know he was at 14, too, and at uh, 13, or 12, he faced Warrior, Pretty sure he was at 14 and so I know he was at 14 and 15 and 13 in some capacity. But, yeah, I think he, I'm pretty sure he's been to every single media except for one since he debuted over two decades ago, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, I, I think 14 was the European joint with, 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 with uh, Owen Hart. 15 was, okay, that was 14, yeah. 15 was probably like a tag match or something with Kane or X-Pac. When I think he turned on him, something like yep. that. So, wow, we're looking at Triple H only missing one WrestleMania in the last – Freaking 17, 18 years. That, that, that's, that's crazy. And he faced, that's what it was. At 13, he faced Goldust. It was a pretty forgettable match, but he faced Goldust that year. So, yeah, he has, I think, only missed one Mania in the past 20 years. And like I said, it's just amazing to me. Undertaker's missed two Manias, and Triple H has only missed one. And it's just amazing to me just because the guy, he's a good wrestler and he's a legend, obviously, but he's not a huge draw. Like, if he missed the Mania, I don't think anyone would care. Because really, other than Rollins, there's not many people. Like, oh, I can't wait to see face. I can't wait to see Triple H face this guy. Uh, beyond Rollins and maybe Kevin Owens, honestly, there's no one on the roster that I like. Oh, I can't wait to see Triple H face this guy. I don't know. I mean, I love Paul Levesque as like an NXT official, but as a wrestler, I mean, even as an on-air character, I'm finding him coming up every once in a while. But as a wrestler, there's really not many money matches left other than the match with Rollins and Mania, which is why if they did like a retirement stipulation. In terms of him being a wrestler, I think it would be great, but I, don't, I just don't see Triple H willingly hanging up the boots anytime soon. So, what do you think? Just trying to take a, a, a wild guess, what's the motivation for Sean and Taker appearing on Raw? Well, you know, we all thought Taker was a SmackDown guy. Sean is typically a, a, a Raw, a Monday Night Raw guy, but, you know, I know it's, it's Rumble season. They're both from Texas. I get that, but out, outside of, we know Taker is more likely to have a match than Sean. Um, what do you think is the, is the motivation for Sean and Taker appearing on Raw on Monday? For Taker, I'd imagine it would be to announce himself in the Rumble match. I I think the only reason why he's doing it on Raw as opposed to on SmackDown, which, again, makes no sense. He came back two months ago. He said, oh, I'm never going away. I'm a SmackDown guy for life. One, he shows up on Raw the next time he shows up. And two, it's two months after his last appearance, despite WrestleMania not defining me or whatever the hell he said. Uh, but I do imagine he is announcing himself for the Rumble which I'm sure he's going to be a big candidate to win considering he's in Texas where he's from and he won it 10 years ago and he's obviously a big uh, name to be facing John Cena this year. So I imagine that's probably a big motivation as to why he's coming back to be in the Rumble and, uh, and, and a likely candidate to win it at, at that as well. As for Sean, I think other than like a face-to-face with Rollins, I honestly think, and it's going to be disappointing, I really don't want people to get their hopes of like, oh, he's coming back for a big angle. I assume he's just coming back for like a, just to promote his movie, which they've outright said he's coming back to promote the WWE Studios film. And then he might deliver switch and music to like fucking, I don't know, like Titus O'Neil or something, like some stupid segment, something like that. I, I don't imagine he's coming back to announce himself 
as like a referee for the Universal title match or to announce himself for the Rumble or anything big like that. I think it's just to kind of be there to promote his movie and maybe even be in a backstage segment or something. I don't even know if he might appear before the crowd, so who knows. But uh, I think it's probably going to be a more newsworthy night for Taker announcing himself as a participant in the 2017 Rumble match. Well, I mean, it would be good to see Taker and Sean back. I know everybody is going to get their hopes up thinking Sean's going to be in the Rumble or announce he'll be in the Rumble or to some – I mean – as long as you have him do something in some capacity, because if you don't have him a, uh, a part of the Rumble in San Antonio, I, I think that that would just make no sense. But, um, I mean, yeah, like, I, you know, me, with the way I think, I think he'll get involved with the Hunter-Seth storyline. Does, does Seth, uh, Seth and Hunter need that? No, but it's like, if you're going to have Sean just do a, a, a movie promo or pr- a promotion, you, you know, do some backstage stuff, that's cool, but it's not really doing anything for the Rumble. But, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's just amazing how Raw, you know, with the whole Raw and SmackDown, the ratings, is like Raw is is being dependent on Goldberg coming back and Brock coming back and Sean making an appearance, Taker making an appearance. It's like SmackDown ain't doing all that. <laughs> SmackDown ain't having mm-hmm. Sean and, you know, Kurt Angles and all these guys coming back. Well, speaking of Kurt Angle, um, uh, do, we, do we get Kurt Angle – do we get Kurt Angle back with the company before Mania, after Mania? Because I read somewhere that he's not going to be doing any more, you know, indie matches um, because he plans to be with the company or do something at WrestleMania. I probably got the words all mixed up, but what have you heard about the possible return of Kurt Angle? Yeah, I heard something similar. I forgot where it was from. I think Angle said himself, but Angle has said in the past, well, I'm coming back, and he never has. But I think he is coming back this year. I think it's kind of set in stone that he is coming back in 2017 to WWE. Um, but that being said, I think the report was was that he said that he was not doing any matches past April because he expects to be back with the company by that point. Which, I mean, WrestleMania is in April, but it sounded like he was coming back after Mania. Which, if he was back in time for Mania, that'd be amazing. But really, if you think about it, does WrestleMania need Kurt Angle? Like, last year, I understood maybe they needed the star power. They wanted to fill the 100000 seat stadium, whatever. And they always want to bring back big names for Mania. But I almost don't want Kurt Angle back for Mania just because I don't want him to be overshadowed. Like, when you really think, I'm sure Rock will show up, as he has for the past five or six years. I'm sure he'll show up in some capacity. But you already have Brock Lesnar. You have Triple H, probably. Goldberg, Undertaker, John Cena. You have all these other big names to the point where if you bring in Kurt Angle for a match like third on the card, it would be ridiculous and a waste of a return for him. Unless it's facing like AJ for the world title, I'm like in the main event or close to the main event, there's no point. So having him come back as like a GM for SmackDown, which would be amazing, or a GM, or a GM I think he's better on SmackDown, but as a GM for Raw replacing Foley would be even just as cool um, the night after WrestleMania. I think that would work as well. So I don't think we see him in the Rumble. I would mark the fuck out if he came back to the Rumble match itself to confront like Brock or something, kind of rekindle that old feud from years ago as a SmackDown classic rivalry. Um, I just don't see it happening because I know he does have any date set up through like March um, from what I've seen. So I don't see that I don't see it happening right now, but I do see him being back with the company this year and I do see him being back at least by April. I did also read somewhere, not sure if you read the same thing, but the hardest contract with TNA ends like around April 1st, and I know Mania is like a little time after that. 
I did see that as well. I mean, it's the same, again, the same thing with the Hardys every year. Kurt's a little different, but it seems like for the past three or four years, it's been because Jeff Hardy's contract expires in February, uh, February, January. So every single year, the rumors come around that, oh, he's leaving, he might be coming to WWE. And every year, he resigns. And it's hard to blame the guy that in, in past years, he's had a great schedule. I'm sure they're paying him a shitload of money, a lot more than they're paying pretty much 90% of the roster over there. He doesn't have to work full-time. He could still do his own thing. He could still, you know, produce his own music. And even Matt, too, kind of has that great schedule over in TNA. Even more so now that they have creative control over the whole Broken Hardys thing they're doing right now, one of the hottest acts in all of wrestling, not only TNA, but it's all of wrestling right now. Would that be the same if they came over to WWE? I honestly don't think so. I think they would water it down to the point where it wouldn't happen, where they would bring him in as the Hardy Boys, which would be cool. But I think a lot of people would only want to see the Hardy Boys back if they were the Broken Hardys, because that's what they're doing right now in TNA. They're killing it over there and that with those characters. Um, I think it's a lot more likely we see Angle back this year than the Hardy Boys. I think the Hardys will be signing, will be re-signing with DNA to continue the whole Broken Hardys thing, because I don't think T- WWE would allow them to have as much creative control as TNA is allowing them right now. So, again, it's always a possibility. I guess we'll find out in a couple months because our contractor will be expiring, I'm sure, in the next month or two, um, right around WrestleMania season. But I guess we'll find out in due time. But I would love to see the Hardys back. I just do not see this being the year that they will return to WWE. As I mentioned before, you know, Goldberg, you know, returned to Raw. I, I felt like it was a wasted segment. Um, you know, nothing really told was like, I, I guess him with KO and Jericho did not really work that well. Maybe just me, you know, thinking, you know, outside uh, looking in. But um, with the stare with, with Reigns and then spearing Strowman, um, I just don't think it did anything for Goldberg as it pertains to him leading into the, the Royal Rumble. What did you make of the final segment, and did you think that they, you know, kind of botched, you know, Goldberg returning? I didn't hate it. I didn't love the segment as a whole. I thought overall Raw was pretty dull as it has been for months now. But uh, And I thought that segment and then Strowman and Zane were the, really the only two points of the show that I liked a lot. Um, not even the segment itself, but more so just – and you said it before, the face-off between Goldberg and Reigns. That, to me, was the only part of the entire show, other than Strowman and Zane, that got me out of my chair saying, holy shit, this is cool, um, just because that's a match a lot of people have not, not just wanted to see, but people have been pitching for a while now in terms of potential matches Goldberg could have in WWE. Like, I really have no interest in seeing Goldberg versus fucking AJ Styles. That, to me, has really no marquee value at all. Him and Roman, though, just similar build, similar football background, similar spear finishers, so... I think it'd be a cool little confrontation. I thought the double spear thing was cool. Um, just for Goldberg himself, did the segment really do anything? Not really. Um, I guess it kind of furthered speculation that he might win the Rumble, which, again, in my opinion, would be a massive mistake. I think Goldberg's popularity is great. He's hot right now. I like Goldberg. But to have him win the Rumble, I think, would make people sour on that very quickly. Because you know if he wins the Rumble, then Brock's going to win the belt. And they should not do that match at the title WrestleMania. We talked about Cena and Taker not needing the belt. That's another match even tenfold that does not need a fucking world championship on the line of WrestleMania, in my opinion. So um, I, I think the segment was all right. I thought it was one of the better parts of the show, honestly. And I liked the little Reigns-Goldberg confrontation. I, I liked that Owens also showed fire in his comeback towards Goldberg. But other than that, I thought it was kind of pretty, a whole home segment for the go-home of Raw, for the, uh, for the ending segment of Raw. I did also mention on Twitter... Um 
on Monday night how, you know, again, going to the Raw versus SmackDown, the ratings. I think Raw beat SmackDown this week. I know SmackDown beat Raw last week. But, um, you know, if you're trying to dissect everything, how the whole title, the main title picture um, has been portrayed on both Raw and SmackDown, Universal and the World Championship, and then people can ask, you know, why is SmackDown so much better, so much better than Raw? One, I think it's a better produced show. Uh, it's two hours, and the fact that they give opportunities to a whole bunch of people, uh, whether it's the World Title, it's the Intercontinental Championship. And I wrote, you know, on, on Twitter that you know what, since September, so so this this does not count Finn Balor. Um, since September or late August, when Kevin Owens won the title. When you want to say who who's been in the title picture since late August, and comparing how why uh, SmackDown is better than Raw, Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, and one cameo from Big Cass, four people since late August, and you, and you count you can't you can't even count Jericho because it's not like he had a championship match. So four people have huh. been in the Universal title picture compared to SmackDown. AJ Styles, John Cena, Dolph Ziggler, Dean Ambrose, Baron Corbin, James Ellsworth. So it's like you're getting a more a multitude of different people getting involved in the title picture. Um, I mean, I, I don't think you even count Big Cass. He, he had one cameo in, in that Fatal 4-Way. So really, it's been three people compared to six. And when people say, why SmackDown better than Raw? Because they give different opportunities to different people, and you're seeing different matches where Baron Corbin, who's still, you know, within a year of him coming up from NXT, is now in the world title picture. James Ellsworth had his little running with AJ Styles. You see multiple matches with uh, Dean Ambrose and Dolph Ziggler for the title. AJ Styles, John Cena. So it was like I wanted to put it out there that the Universal title picture is looking real slim compared to what they do on SmackDown. Definitely. I mean, I feel like I will say that for a stretch of time for SmackDown, um, I was, I mean, towards the end, AJ and Cena, or AJ and uh, Ambrose, getting pretty tiresome, because they do the match a couple right. times on SmackDown. Same thing with him and Ellsworth, AJ and Ellsworth. But, again, it just seems like the feud itself was a lot more intriguing than whatever the hell we saw between Owens, Rollins, Reigns, and everything else going on on Raw. I mean, even as tired as they was of Ambrose and AJ, it had an amazing payoff of... Uh, and yeah, Ambrose and AJ had had an amazing payoff at TLC in that great TLC match. I just cannot see the same payoff um, at Rumble with Owens and uh, with, uh, with Owens and Reigns. That's just a match no one gives a shit about. You do the match four or five times. They did it on that Raw before Roadblock where Reigns beat Owens to earn a title match. They did the match at Roadblock, which sucked. They did a rematch on Raw a week or so ago, which was boring as hell. And they're doing the match again at the Rumble with this stipulation, the whole cage thing, that we just saw a takeover literally two months ago. And I have a whole audience separation. A lot of people that watch Raw don't watch NXT. But for those of us who do, it's like we just literally just saw this shit two months ago and didn't even do anything then to, to you know change the outcome of the match. The authors of Pain still won. It's like Paul Ellering still being in a cage. It made no sense. So to do that for this feud, it just no one fucking cares. That just... I don't know. I'm just not really intrigued at all by Owens and Rollins and... Uh, and, and Reigns and Jericho, this whole four-way. And it's, like you said, the same matches every week. At least on SmackDown, there's the same matches. They add different stipulations, which I know Raw did this week with 
you know, like I said, Reigns, if he got DQ'd, he would have lost the belt. But I, I just don't, I can't put my finger on what it is, but just the way that SmackDown crafts its stories is just a lot more engaging than whatever the hell Raw does with their guys. Because we literally see the same matches every single week between Owens and Rollins, Owens and Reigns, Reigns and Jericho. Mm-hmm. It's the same outcome every single time, too. At least on SmackDown, they would have different people win. On, on Raw, Reigns always beats Jericho. And Owens and Jericho are great, don't get me wrong, but they come off like upper mid-card heels because Rollins, and are more, more so Reigns, always comes off to look weak, always comes off strong, rather, uh, against those guys. He almost always comes out on top 90% of the time. And the whole purpose of putting that belt, that U.S. title, on Reigns was to ensure that he was out of the main event scene for a while, which he hasn't been. He was out of the main event scene for all of like two months before he got involved again. So it's just ridiculous. So, yeah, like you said, it's the, the lack of fresh blood, uh, of new blood and fresh faces in the main event scene on Raw is really what is killing the show, and I hope, I desperately hope that coming out of the Rumble, I mean, they, they have their one feud set in stone coming out of the Rumble with Owens and Jericho or whoever, but I, hopefully coming out of WrestleMania, they have some new blood like Cesaro or I don't even Sami Zayn or even Strowman. At least those are three people that could viably go for the title right now, in my opinion, and have some good matches and good feuds that would get us away from this tired formula that we see every single Monday night on Raw. Now, now, let me ask you honestly: If Finn Balor was still, you know, healthy, not injured, and maybe you got a little more of a sprinkle for with, with Brock Lesnar appearing more on Raw, how would the world, what well, the world title, how would the Universal Title picture look? How different would Raw be? Okay, let, also, let's take Brock out of the equation. Just, just having Finn Balor healthy as Universal Champion, how would everything be different? Honestly, I'm going to honestly tell you, I don't think it would be much different. I don't know when they would have turned Rollins' face. And I don't know when Owens, if ever, would have won that championship. Because Balor probably would have held that belt for a while. But if you think about it, they probably would have done another rumored report, which we talked about months ahead of, or weeks ahead of SummerSlam, that the rumored report was to do Balor and Owens for the belt coming out of SummerSlam. So they probably would have run that in the ground for a while before doing Balor and Jericho, which is a fresh match, but... I don't know. I just uh, if they had Balor around, I'm sure it would be better than whatever we're getting right now. And I'm sure Reigns would still be U.S. champion or at the mid card level at least for a little while longer. But because Balor got hurt, they went to Rollins first before going back to Reigns as the guy on Monday night, despite being the U.S. champion. So uh, yeah, I'm sure it wouldn't be. I'm sure Raw wouldn't be like, oh my god, it's so amazing with Balor back. I'm sure it's going to be better. But there's still a lack of creativity in terms of how they craft their stories create engaging programs and promos and feuds and matches because I'm sure we would have seen the same thing every week. I'm sure we would have seen Balor and Owens a million times on Raw and a million times on pay-per-view before we saw Balor and Jericho a million times because they just are, you know, Balor and Rollins again or a hundred times or whatever. I don't know. So we would have had more fresh matches, um, but hopefully when he gets back, they either turn him heel and put him in the club who desperately needs some sort of push because they're deader than dead right now or something, hopefully when he gets back, the, the world title picture is at least more intriguing than it is currently. Uh, two more quick questions before I let you go, Graham. Um, we also, you know, quick NXT thing. We, we saw Nakamura defeat Samoa Joe in a steel cage in a, the show they had in um, Australia. Um, I got to ask you, what's the likelihood that 
Samoa Joe that 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 was Samoa Joe's final match in NXT and do we see him on the main roster soon, maybe as soon as the Royal Rumble? Very likely. I think to say that Joe will be the first NXT call up this year is pretty much a given, almost a guarantee. In the Rumble match itself, a lot like AJ last year when he debuted in the Rumble match uh, in 2016, just because he's done everything. He's won the belt twice. He's already beaten Nakamura. He's beaten everyone there is to be in NXT for the most part. He's had a feud with everybody. He's went from face to heel. He's main evented. He's been in the main event in every takeover for the past year and a half now. Um, and I love Joe, but that's not to say oh, I'm getting tired of him. It's just time to move on. And he should have been in the main event. He should have been in the main roster from the get-go. But I think going to NXT first kind of helped him in terms of establish a fan base for himself, establish an identity for himself in WWE or for the fans or whatever uh, that weren't already familiar with him. So now when he gets called up, people are like, oh, shit, and no joke in NXT. It's going to be sick. So, yeah, I think it is almost a guarantee he will be called up in the Rumble. And if he's not... And I don't know what the fuck they're doing. Maybe on Raw or SmackDown, I think he is much more needed on Raw. We were literally just talking about Raw needing more new stars on Raw in terms of the you know the, in the top tier towards the main event scene, towards the main event level on Raw. And I think him mixing it up with Rollins and Reigns would be sick. So, uh, you know, Raw needs more top heels other than just Owens and Jericho, who don't even come off as top heels more often than not. So Joe Deeping on the Raw side would be great coming out of the Rumble. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, he lost that cage match, Nakamura, and their recent Australia show. They replayed the match again this past week. But, um, and I don't know. I know they had a set of tapings last night. I don't know if Joe was at those shows. And if he wasn't at those shows, because they taped through TakeOver San Antonio, which is also Rumble weekend, and if he doesn't have one last, like, final farewell at that TakeOver, then it's pretty much a given that he's going to be in the Rumble, because I don't see why else he would be in the next day. I mean, he's not going to have a match at TakeOver. So, yeah, I think it is pretty likely we will see him in the Rumble, which I cannot wait for. The final question I got for you, Graham. Um, the network, they, they they debuted a new show called Bring It to the Table. Paul Heyman, JBL, Peter Rosenberg. Um, you know, their style of debate, like ESPN First Take or, you know, Fox Sports, you know, Undisputed. And just debating different various topics that – you wouldn't think will be debated on 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 the network. Um, Hulk Hogan, Bret Hart. Um, it's Raw being three hours, you know, too long. Um, which is a better show, Raw SmackDown? So I, I thought it was very interesting. Uh, again, it's new, it's different. Um, having a debate style um, kind of panel um, discussing different topics that you know people online on Twitter. And the IWC would debate on, you know, all day. Um, one, I want to get your thoughts on that. Um, two, what did you make of Paul Heyman saying that, you know, Conor McGregor would be great for the WWE? Um, I, I, I think not too much on, on Rousey, but um, saying that McGregor would be great for the company if he wants to go there, whether it's a one-off, whether to be a, a WWE superstar, and just the overall show um, in itself. I know Rosenberg was a part of the TLC panel about a month ago, so I'm sure that's when they filmed this because he was the uh, moderator for the fan side as, in terms of the fan perspective for this panel. So they probably filmed it around then, but it would have been great if this was live and they filmed it right after Raw, like a Stone Cold podcast, because uh-huh. coming off of Ronda Rousey's fight last Friday, that would have been a great topic. You know, John McCoachman said himself on Twitter, no, she's never coming. The chances of her coming to WWE are slim to none because she's damaged goods, whatever. 
Um, so for them to discuss that would have been would have been great to hear what they had to say in that specifically Paul Heyman and Ronda Rousey saying having said in the past that that she's a Ronda Rousey girl or that she's a Paul Heyman girl. So um, that would have been cool. But yeah, for the show itself, I like the idea. Like I completely agree with what you're saying in terms of the idea of the show topics that you wouldn't really normally be talked about, be heard, talked about, discussed on a WWE sanctioned program. A lot like the Stone Cold podcast, like the first few with Triple H and Vince were very edgy, were controversial with them talking about Macho Man being in the Hall of Fame and talking about CM Punk coming back, all this other shit. So I like the idea of them doing that and also having someone represent the fans like a Peter Rosenberg who is great in that role. Right. At the same time, and maybe it was just the first episode. I don't know if they're doing more, but uh, just for the first one, the topics I thought were great, the discussion of said topics by JBL and Heyman I thought was really disappointing. And I don't know what I was expecting, maybe more edgy stuff, maybe from Heyman, because you know how off the rails Heyman can be. But it seemed like both guys just gave, just gave corporate answers over and over and over. They're like, do you think Raw should be three hours? And they said, yeah, it makes more money. But, okay, but the show sucks every single week because it is three hours, and they have no creativity in terms of producing three, hour, three hours of content, which I know is difficult, but they didn't really touch upon that at all. And it was just a lot of the topics they talked about were really weird. Uh, I mean, again, the topics they discussed were great, like Hogan and the brand split, but they were very, like, when they said yay or boo or whatever the segment was, they said yay for, I think, every single one of them. They didn't shit on anything the company did, which I'm not saying they need to shit on everything, but... It seems like there was no shooting at all. There was no real sense of realism to anything that Heyman or JBL were saying. And they were pretty much the entire time like shitting on the fans and telling people to stop complaining um, as opposed to giving real answers. So uh, Heyman was saying, like, if they're not boycotting, then it doesn't matter. Well, that's not really the solution. If the company is still creatively, you know, stifling, then there's an issue there. They should discuss that. So I don't know. Maybe it was just the first show. Uh, I didn't love it. I liked the idea of it, but just the execution of the initial episode, I just did not think was as great as it probably could have been. Oh, and the Conor McGregor thing, too, in regards to what you said, I forgot to mention that, but um, I thought those comments were great, too, um, from Heyman in regards to him coming to WWE. I just, when I say great in terms of just being accurate, because then Greg McGregor would be a great get for WWE at some point. Um, maybe not anytime soon. I don't know what his UFC deal is like, but he's like one of the hottest commodities right now. And they wanted Ronda Rousey the same way they wanted McGregor right now, a couple of years ago, when Ronda Rousey was a lot hotter than she's currently in terms of the buzz surrounding her in UFC. But now that she's lost twice, is that buzz the same? Obviously not. And until McGregor loses, he's still going to be that new hot commodity for UFC, sports entertainment, whatever. Um, but yeah, and I, I would love to see McGregor. I don't think he's coming in for WrestleMania, but Maybe not in a wrestling role, but McGregor coming in for an appearance at Mania or just a WWE show in the future, like a, like a modern-day Mike Tyson from 98 would be pretty damn cool at some point down the road. Last one, what did you make of you know Paul Heyman uh, describing or saying that you know the, with the longevity of John Cena with the company, what he's been able to do inside the ring, outside the ring that he – you know, uh, it can't be considered to be the greatest of all time. I mean, that was really nothing new, because I know they said that for years. Michael Cole always is on commentary. Oh, John Cena is the greatest of all time. Uh-huh. And, yeah, it, it's hard. I mean, it's hard. I mean, is he top five of all time? I would say so. I mean, you also look at the fact that, okay, has he drawn more money than Stone Cold Steve Austin? Probably not. I mean, maybe over the course of 10 years or so. I know Austin was on top for only three years. 
has wrestling been as hot with Cena on top of the past 10 years, according, you know, compared to Austin? Obviously not, not even close. But I, I don't know. But he's definitely had better matches than Hulk Hogan. But is that really, I mean, when you talk about the greatest of all time, it's so subjective. Like, does that mean the, the greatest matches that they've ever had, like greatest feuds? I mean, not, not you, but just specifically in general, when people say the greatest of all time, and like when Amos is the greatest of all time, how do you really justify, like, what is the greatest? Like, in terms of money drawn or greatest matches or moments or time the product was actually popular? So it's hard to say, in my opinion, Cena is the greatest of all time. It's hard to say, but I definitely know he's in the top five, if not top three with Hogan and Stone Cold Steve Austin. But um, he would definitely be up there. I mean, it would be, you'd be a fool not to say that he's not, given the, the amount of time, the, the longevity that they've had, that, that he has had on top, the matches he's had, uh, the money that he's drawn for the company, the fact he's kept it afloat for as long as he has as the face of WWE, even when he's not there. Um, he's not as successful in Hollywood or as big of a name as Hulk Hogan was or is even, or, or as Stone Cold Steve Austin, the money that he drew for them and shit. But uh, he, he's definitely in that conversation, though, absolutely. Graham Matthews, as always, you can find him on Twitter at WrestleRant. Uh, he's the host of WrestleRant Radio. Great job for Bleacher Report. Um, again, man, thanks again, and Happy New Year to you and your family. Of course. Thanks for having me on, Randy. As always, Happy New Year, and I'll catch you on the road, brother. All right, man, take care. All right, adios.